So, little backstory. I've been eager to do a book study here at the Ruby. I can like, I'm like an ADD guy. No surprise to you guys. I'm kind of all over the place. And so, I like am prone to like thematic studies, like four week studies, and then a new four week study, and then a new. And I've been eager to like get into a place and just stay there for a while. So I've just been thinking about that for like the last few months. I want to do a book study, and I've also been eager to get in the Old Testament because I'm scared of it. I was like, well, it's in the Bible, so we should do it anyway. <laughs> and, uh, so I've just been like thinking in my own. I've been feeling the Spirit be like, man, you need to do a book study in the Old Testament. And so I personally have been on a journey with the book of First Samuel for the last several months. And uh, now I'm going to invite you guys into the journey. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel for the next three or four months. I don't know, March, April, May, June. like three and a half months. All right. And so um, we're going to look into 1 Samuel today. It's going to be just an overview, broad, 40,000 foot view. As I was going over it this morning, I feel like it was really boring. And honestly, as I talked through it, I was like, man, I hope this is helpful. So let me know afterwards if it was helpful, okay? Um, but today is going to be a very simple overview, just kind of what led to 1 Samuel, some characters in 1 Samuel, some of the themes in 1 Samuel. It's like a 15 to 20 minute conversation. And then we're going to circle up in groups, and there will be a group review with key questions that I'm going to challenge you guys to answer with one another. So if you like pop quizzes, you're going to love this church today only. <laughs> um, so we're going to circle up afterward, have a group review. So today, just kind of the heart of today is just a warm up, just to get us acquainted with 1 Samuel, um, to get us aware of, of some things that are going to happen within the book and some things that happened before the book started, okay? Um, does that make sense? All right, you guys ready? This is a good day to take notes. Per usual, if you follow us on Instagram, um, we'll, we'll post this keynote afterward and you can have it there. All right, 1 Samuel, boom. So if you know this, 1 Samuel's in the Old Testament, right after the book of Ruth, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, yeah, yeah. And uh, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel um, weren't a thing originally. It was just one book. Hey, we're gonna get through this together. Like, it's cool. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but 1 and 2 Samuel was really just one coherent book. Um, and up until chapter 25, it was written by none other than Samuel himself. Um, and so we're going to dig into his life a little bit. Um, there are three main literary styles in the Bible, narrative, poetry, discourse. We'll dig into that a little bit more next week. But First Samuel is historical narrative, all right? So it's just telling us the story of Israel with God. Um, and it's important to note when you're reading First Samuel that there's a larger story at work. And so if you're like me, um, you might have grown up in a tradition where when you read the Bible, it was really just for you to get something out of it for your life, kind of like a biblical vitamin of sorts. So when you read 1 Samuel 3, it's like, okay, now how does this impact my life? And how do I respond with obedience? And that's one way to read it, maybe, maybe not. We'll dig into this a little bit more next week as well. But um, there's also a bigger story, hap bigger story happening. Um, and uh, a word that I like to use is meta-narrative. It's a big, big word, meta, <laughs> very meta. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you to laugh. I feel awkward. I feel like I'm getting stared at more than normal. I don't know. I know I have the mic and you're supposed to look at me. I got to deal with this. Please forgive me. My hands are sweaty. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, when you're reading a book of the Bible, it's important to keep in mind the meta-narrative. In other words, just the bigger story happening. 
And so 1 Samuel is looking at a specific narrative within the bigger story of God's just interaction with humanity, okay? So the Bible is one big story that really is still ongoing today. We are still, it's not concluded yet until Christ returns, right? It, we're still in this meta narrative, okay? And so with the meta narrative in mind, I want to visit kind of where this all started all the way back to Genesis 1 and what got us to the book of 1 Samuel. And so there's, oh wait, are we good? Oh, good, yeah, boom, okay. So I'm gonna just walk us through this really quick. Uh, and so this is just kind of what led to 1 Samuel, all right? So the Bible starts out with God creating humanity, all right? That's in Genesis chapter one. And really what we learn there is God, uh, one is creator, all powerful, but desires relationship. He creates humanity with a desire to be in relationship with them. And there's a closeness that exists between God and man that is so effortless. Um, there is no sin. There is no separation. And to be honest, there's no way we can fathom what this was like. Um, even today with the Holy Spirit in us, that's not the same as Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with creator God. So that's where it starts, is God creating humanity for the sake of relationship, creating humanity in his image. In Genesis 3, man sins against God and creates separation. Um, another, word I, another way I heard this described was Genesis 3 is when man chooses moral autonomy um, apart from God. Um, you know the song by Carrie Underwood, Jesus Take the Wheel? It was like the opposite of that. It was like man took the wheel, okay? I wrote that in my notes. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. It's a good song. Uh, thank you. Um, all right. So man takes the wheel against the wheel of the Lord. Uh, then in Genesis 12, God begins this big story of rescuing humanity. And it kind of starts with a guy named Abram who later becomes Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, he promises a great nation will come from Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Um, that ends up being the nation of Israel. And Israel is gonna be the primary vehicle through which God will display his glory and his goodness to the world. It's the main avenue. All right, so through a lot of events, we're, we're really skipping a lot of significant stories here. But in Genesis 46, as Israel is be becoming a nation, there's this large famine. And because of a famine, they go to Egypt where there's plenty of resource, all right? And so while they're in Egypt, safe from the famine, there's a change in leadership in Egypt. There's a new Pharaoh. You can find this in Exodus 1, 1 through 10. And that Pharaoh sees the people of Israel who flew, uh, fled to Egypt for safety from the famine and goes, you know what? Israel's getting too big, too quick, and we gotta control these people. And so he enslaves the nation of Israel. The Hebrew people are enslaved for 400 years, so pretty brutal turn of events there, all right? And so then in Exodus chapter three, God calls on a man named Moses, uh, if you know that story, raised by Egyptians, but a Hebrew himself, and he calls on Moses to deliver the people of Israel. And so then in Exodus 14, Moses goes to Egypt, let my people go, the 10 plagues, you guys remember this story? Have you seen the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon? Really good movie, um, yeah. And so God uses Moses to rescue his people out of Egypt. 
But it's important to know that when he rescues them out of Egypt, it's not just to save them from slavery, but he is working on bringing them into close relationship with him. He's trying to restore close relationship with his people. And so in Exodus 34, he makes a covenant with Israel. I'm not going to dig into that. Big moment. There's a scripture. You can read it this week. One of the things that he promises to the Israel people, the Israelite people, is that he will lead them into a promised land flowing with milk and honey and independence and freedom, free of tyranny. And in Joshua chapter 13, and really the whole book of Joshua, it's kind of a conquest. It's where the people of Israel live into that that promise. That promise is fulfilled. They take up the promised land. A, A good verse there is Joshua 24, verse 15, where Joshua kind of like stamps his people, goes, hey, choose this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, right? The one who has delivered us to this promised land. It's supposed to not like be a fully happily ever after moment right there, but it's supposed to be pretty hunky-dory at that point. They're in the promised land. But as you'll see throughout all of scripture and really throughout all of just the history of humanity, um, the people of Israel are not faithful, to their covenant with God. Um, They have um, sinful ways, they're impulsive, they're selfish. They kind of just take their eye off the prize over and over and over again. And we really see that in the book of Judges, right? That's the book that precedes chronologically, that precedes 1 Samuel. Um, Judges is the time period right before 1 Samuel. And it kind of gives you a state, a, a good picture of the state of Israel before we meet Samuel. The book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, the last verse concludes in this way. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So that's the state of Israel. Before we read 1 Samuel, there's no king and everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. That feels pertinent, that feels familiar. Um, So Judges is a book that contains moral chaos, sporadic spiritual behavior, and Israel is just inconsistent and overall pretty directionless. They need a leader, okay? And they, over and over again, just sort of refuse to look at God as their leader, God and his law. So they want a leader, but they don't want God as their leader. That's sort of how it goes. So when we, read, when we join 1 Samuel, um, just keep this in mind. The Israelite people are in need of true leadership. Um, someone that will not just deliver them from slavery or prevent defeat in war, but really they need a leader that will save them from themselves and from their own sin. Um, and we're not really gonna find that leader within 1 Samuel. Um, we're gonna find leaders that fall short. All right, so... There was a lot of years of scripture real quick. Did that, was that fine? You guys okay still? All right. I know this is heavy information, less inspirational. Um, I'll be trying to think of an inspirational story. All right. So themes that I want you to be kind of on the lookout for as we journey through 1 Samuel in the next few months. Um, big picture theme, the wandering heart of Israel, the wandering heart of man, while God remains steadfast. That's a theme you can pretty much find in every book of the Bible, but you're gonna see it in 1 Samuel. Man or Israel tends to just wonder, get distracted, and God remains true and faithful. A lot of you guys can look back on your testimony 
and see that as well. I, I certainly can look back on my story and go, okay, I've been a wandering heart and God has remained faithful. Specifically in 1 Samuel, some themes to be on the lookout for when you zoom in. One, God opposes the proud and he draws near to the humble and the obedient. That will be a lesson that we will revisit time and time again through several characters. You'll see this in people groups like the Israelites and the Philistines. You'll see this in characters like Hannah, Saul, David, Goliath, Abigail. Who knew about Abigail in 1 Samuel? Does anyone know who that is? I just met Abigail. That's a weird way to say that. I just learned about Abigail in 1 Samuel. She's a rock star. We'll get to her. Anyway, you'll also see themes of patience, confidence, courage, and trust in God leading to life. Those that choose to be patient, to be confident in the Lord, to take courage, to trust the word of the Lord, you'll see them finding life. Whereas those that show arrogance or fear, often it leads to downfall. All right, let's go into some characters. We're zooming through this. There's three main characters in 1 Samuel that we're gonna dig into. First is, someone guess. Did you look? And you still whispered it like Samuel. You can just say it out loud, it's kind of obvious. Uh, Samuel's entire life is in 1 Samuel, as I mentioned. Um, Samuel is born in a really special way and he's raised up to be a prophet for Israel. He's also, so in Judges, that's the period of the Judges, he's also kind of like the last judge of Israel and also serves as a prophet. Samuel is gonna be a critical voice for the nation of Israel. And he is faithful throughout his whole life. He's, one of the, he's a very redeeming character. He kind of does it right for the most part the entire time. Um, and you're gonna feel his influence throughout the entire book. Second main character is Saul. So it's, at one point, Israel's going to demand a king. They look at other countries, and they all got kings. And so they're like, hey, we want one of those. And uh, Saul is the first king chosen. He is tall, strong, and handsome. He'd be on today's Bachelor. He is the quintessential candidate to lead a nation. He just fits the physical description of a king. And he actually, if you know the book of 1 Samuel, you know Saul kind of ends up just kind of being a thumbs down king. But... He comes from very humble beginnings, and he actually has a really strong start. Uh, in my head, he was just a big, strong man that never cared about anything, but he's actually a pretty good guy. He just kind of gets lost in the sauce of being the king of Israel at some point. Um, what we'll really just see is that disobedience ends up becoming his demise. Uh, he just frankly gets disobedient. He misses the point. Um, and so his heart falls away from the Lord. He's prideful, he's impulsive, and he just kind of misses it. So. His character flaws should remind us to live in humility, to seek God's help, and to seek his leadership. Last main character, our boy David. We all know David and Goliath, right? The guy with the slingshot. So David is ultimately Saul's replacement as king. He's the second king of Israel. He's gonna be an example of God's desire for the heart of man rather than anything on the exterior any skill sets, any talents, that God first and foremost desires the heart of a man. He also helps us see the importance of patience, of trust, of humility, of confidence in the Lord's leadership. He's gonna have moments that seem extremely courageous and extremely bold, but you'll notice with him, it feels very like nonchalant. 
It feels like very normal for him. It's not bold to him. We look at it and we're like, wow, that was so courageous. But when you read him doing it, he's like, this is what God said. So it's, it's kind of easy money for him. It's pretty cool. He has a lot of confidence in the Lord. His character should remind us to be patient, to trust God, to be humble, and to be obedient. All right, we're almost done. Gosh, it's going so fast. All right, I'm gonna give you a little, uh, little overview of some other characters in this book. So some other characters that we'll explore is Hannah. Do you guys know about Hannah in 1 Samuel? Hannah's an icon. Um, I guess she's technically not a main character because she only gets like two chapters. She's wild. So she's Samuel's mom. And it starts with her being barren and desiring a son and just praying desperately with a humble heart for a son. And uh, her faithfulness in this book is insane. It is staggering. And I'm hoping that in two weeks, we'll look at her story. And I'm hoping to really help us imagine what it would be like to be in her situation and to live with the faithfulness, the humility, the surrender, and the sacrifice of Hannah. She's unbelievable, um, but we'll save that for later. So Hannah, shout out, Samuel's mom. Raised a good boy. All right. Number two, Eli. He's going to be the guy that mentors Samuel. So he's, uh, he's in a place of religious leadership over Israel. He's going to train Samuel how to hear, respond, and declare the voice of God. And so we'll see early on. God begins to speak to Samuel, and Samuel doesn't quite know what to do with it. And so Eli's going to play a pivotal role. He's going to be Samuel's mentor. Um, but Eli is kind of a complicated character because while he is raising Samuel in the house of God in a really awesome way, his sons are just all caps a big bummer. Um, they're not great. Uh, they are involved in some sex scandals. They are abusing their power. I mean, it's, it's not good. And inevitably, it leads to their death. So it, it doesn't go great. So Eli is this character where on one hand, you're like, wow. You did a wonderful job raising Samuel in the house of the Lord. And Samuel honestly lives a really obedient and amazing life and is the voice, he's kind of the voice of the Lord for Israel. Um, but his sons totally miss it. And Eli kind of lets go of his own household. I don't know how it all worked, but it wasn't pretty. All right, then we got Jonathan. This is David's BFF. Um, so David, second king of Israel. But there's kind of a plot twist with the life of Jonathan. He's the first king Saul's son. And Saul doesn't super love David because uh, the, the people of Israel begin to gravitate toward David before David is named king. Saul hates that and tries to kill David while David's playing the harp. <laughs> so just picture being at a five-star restaurant. There's a guy playing a harp and then some dude randomly just throws a javelin at him. That's actually kind of what happened with Saul and David. So Anyway, um, uh, so Jonathan and David are going to model friendship in a way that is just rarely seen in Scripture, man. There, there's so much to glean from the biblical friendship we see in these two really important characters for a brief time. And then lastly, there's Abigail. And I'm still not sure if I'm going to preach a whole sermon on this woman, but she sneakily shows up in two chapters and she's clutch because she has a husband named Nabal and he's really prideful and really arrogant. And his arrogance is about to get a lot of his people killed. Um, but Abigail shows up in 1 Samuel 25 and her humility mixed with her boldness and courage actually ends up saving like several lives. Um, and so she's not a main character and maybe some wouldn't even consider her like a supporting character. 
But she's dope. And so if I don't go over it, you got to read 1 Samuel 25 and see how Abigail comes through in the clutch with uh, humility, with boldness, and it saves some people. All right? Okay. We're almost done. Gosh, when I was going over it this morning, it went this fast, and I started sweating. I was like, man, this is weird. This is not a sermon. All right. You guys still good? You keeping up? Okay, good. Thank you. All right. A fun fact for you. I've only got one. But many of David's Psalms were written during the time period of 1 Samuel. So we're going to get to it. But at one point, Saul really begins hunting David, trying to kill David, chases him quite a few places. And during that time period, David writes a ton of Psalms. You'll read some Psalms where David like cries out, God, where are you? My enemies surround me. (laughs) Like it's bleak, it's dark. And he's talking about very tangible enemies, Saul and his soldiers that are seeking to end David's life. And so when we get that, I'll point them out to you. But kind of cool to know that we're gonna read the story of David fleeing Saul because Saul's trying to end his life. And that's when David writes a bunch of his Psalms that like inspire us today over our little cup of coffee. We're like an eighth and roast, just like worshiping the Psalm something. And like David wrote it while he was fearing death. So it's chill. Um, all right, next week, my goal is to have a bigger conversation before we even dig into 1 Samuel about how we read the Old Testament um, and specifically how we read historical narratives like 1 Samuel. As I mentioned earlier, I think my tendency growing up was to always go to scripture um, with the goal, I I think, of like going, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me about my life through this passage? And again, I'm not saying that's like sinful or bad, but I think sometimes that puts pressure in the wrong places when you're reading scripture. There's more to 1 Samuel than just what's it trying to do to you and what's it trying to shape in you. There's more things to be learned than just how's this impact my life and make me a better Christian. And so next week, I plan to have a bigger, broader conversation about what it looks like to read the different genres of scripture, but more specifically, what it looks like to read 1 Samuel. And I hope, if I do this right, I'm hoping that it will equip us as we begin our adventure in 1 Samuel to approach it in the right way, uh, in a better way, and hopefully will help us inform us, like, I think there's more to learn about the character of God, about the bigger story of scripture, if we approach it in the correct way. Does that make sense? So it's very easy to read the Bible through a 2022 Western Hemisphere American way. And sometimes that can actually get in the way and prevent us from learning what's really in these scriptures. And so next week we're gonna nerd out pretty hard um, and then we'll dig into 1 Samuel after that. Does that sound good? All right, so look, it's time for a group review. This was the shortest sermon that will happen in 2022. This is the shortest one, I promise you. Um, But for communion, I wanna have us circle up in groups of four or five. There will be questions back here, and I just wanna challenge you to try to answer them together. So right now, circle up in groups of three to five people, no more than five, don't get too big, Um, but get to know the people in your group, share your name, and then try to answer these questions about 1 Samuel. So literally right now, start circling up your chairs. Go for it. Let's talk. What did I just say? What did you just learn? See if y'all can figure this out. All right, let's stand together. I'm going to pray over us, and then we'll transition uh, into worship. Yeah, God, thank you. Thank you for your church. Thank you, Father, for 1 Samuel. Uh, God, thank you for this this big book that contains 66 smaller books, and God, for what we have to learn about you, I I just, I say in faith that there is so much richness within 1 Samuel, and I'm excited 
to explore this book with my church family. And I just, I pray, Holy Spirit, be our leader. And God, I pray for a lot of just like rich little nuggets that we can learn as we explore this book. And I pray, God, that this goes way beyond the Sunday gathering, God. I pray that um, throughout our week, we would just be exploring the richness of the word and, and navigating through tensions and learning how to approach the word and even learning our own learning style as we read the word of God. I just, just lead us. Um, I trust that your word is a treasure, that it really is a lamp unto our feet. And uh, so, yeah, help us, to, help us to grow in our enjoyment of your word. Help us to grow as people that investigate your word. Yeah, we love you. We, we honor you. And uh, Lord, we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.